So thank you for joining me, Kyle. My name is Tyler Cudebeck. Uh, this is the How Do I Get That Job podcast, episode four. I'm here with Kyle Grappone. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Awesome. Uh, youth motivational speaker and book author. Uh, you can check him out at kylegrappone.com. Kyle, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself for the audience, please? Sure. So my name's Kyle. I reside in New Jersey, and I am a youth motivational speaker. I talk to high school and college students, and I'm also a published book author. My book, To the Next Step, which is a guide for high school and college students to enter into the real world and be prepared, is going to be available in a couple of months. So yes, that's basically what I'm all about. Awesome. I, I guess the first question that I want to know is, you said you're from Jersey. Are you originally from Jersey, or are you from somewhere else? So originally, I'm from Long Island. Uh, I lived there for about 28 years. And a couple of years ago, I moved here to New Jersey to move in with my then fiance, now wife. Very nice. Congratulations. Thank you. So where did you go to school? What did you go to school for? And how do you become a motivational speaker? Because I know people always see like Tony Robbins and all those other motivational speakers out there. And they're like, how do you do that? So let, let's start from the beginning and work our way forward. Sure. So. I went to college, uh, Mount St. Mary College, class of 2010. So that was nine years ago now. I majored in public relations. And a couple of years in, I realized that office jobs were not necessarily for me. You know, that doesn't mean that I don't want an office job. It just means that working in an office, you know, working in a queue really isn't, isn't all for me. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't just do that during the day and then be satisfied. So Really what I started to notice a few years ago was probably a couple of years into working that a lot of the people I worked with seemed to be very unhappy with their jobs. They seemed to be very dissatisfied with the type of person that they would become and this career they had built. And, you know, they just seemed to, to wish the week away. They were always waiting for a Friday. They were always kind of, you know, saying, oh, I can't wait till it's Friday and just kind of trying to escape into the weekend. And I always found this odd because you spend a lot of time at your job yeah. and you spend a lot of time and energy and resources, and it has a, a big hold over your your day-to-day -day and really your life. And I think it's crazy that some people spend 40 years just trying to survive five-sevenths of their week because um, that's a lot of time. So yeah. I began to look into this. I began to do a lot of research. And what I came to realize after talking to over 100 college graduates is that students are not prepared for this part of life. They're not prepared for being an adult and working full time and everything that goes into that. They don't really understand what that means, what, what that entails. And I think what happens is that they don't necessarily either take high school and college seriously, or if they do, they're not really preparing themselves accordingly. They don't always do the best research. I mean, I've talked to A students who still are, are somewhat unhappy in their careers because they never did any research. They made a decision on what job they wanted before doing any type of research. And when they got into it, they realized it's not really the job they want. It's not what they thought it would be. But, you know, one year turns into five. And, and before you know it, you're married with kids in a house and you need that job. Yep. And you can't necessarily change jobs so quickly. So about two years ago, maybe a little less, I started just looking into this because I've always been a very good speaker. Uh, I've always been somebody who presents himself very well, been a very good communicator, good delivery. And again, I'm not necessarily bragging, but I think it's very important to understand what your skills are. For sure. If you can do something and you're presenting the value that you can bring to the table, I don't think that's necessarily bragging. So I realized that these were my skills and this is what I was good at. And I realized at the same time that I want to be doing more than just an office job. Mm -hmm. So for me, I got into motivational speaking simply as a way to begin this process. 
I basically wanted to speak to high school and college students and get them to understand that so many people who used to be in their shoes are now living lives of dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that everyone is miserable, but a lot of people don't like what they do for a job. And it's because they weren't prepared for it. And now they're kind of stuck. And the other problem is, is that as a society, we are really kind of conditioned to dislike our jobs. You know, a lot of people work, you know, work is is work and, 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 you know, you're supposed to be unhappy and, and, and everybody complains about it and, you know, all these type of stuff. And it's just crazy to me because I'm not necessarily saying that you're going to be happy at work, but I do believe that everybody has a passion inside of them. And I think everybody has something that even though it might be difficult and there, there's always going to be bad and stressful days, that if they were doing that type of job and building towards the type of person they wanted to become, I think they'd be a lot more have a lot more satisfaction, a lot more joy. And that would lead to a happier life overall. You know, these people who hate their jobs, you know, also are unhappy in life. And that unhappiness is spilling into the different types of, you know, issues that we're seeing is a lot of people are are unhappy. They're stressed financially. They're stressed, you know, emotionally and whatnot. So that's really how I got into it. But it's interesting because, you know, what I am now two years later like I identify as a youth motivational speaker, but that is really one part of the bigger picture that I have become and I have built. And I am now a published book author. Like I said, I'm also a college student coach, a career year academy. Um, I teach online courses at a school called OutSchool. Um, and I'm currently doing a research paper with a college professor, and we are interviewing college graduates to understand what skills they weren't prepared for. I've really done all this because I had a very open mind from the beginning that, you know, my goal was not to become a professional motivational speaker. My goal was to get paid, you know, and make a living out of helping high school and college students. So anytime an opportunity or a partnership comes up that aligns with that, I'm all over it. And that's why I'm now doing a number of different things. As far as anybody who wants to speak, I would say the number one important thing is not whether or not you're a good public speaker, believe it or not. I know that sounds crazy, but that's something that can be taught and can Mm -hmm. be learned. But what can't be taught and learned is passion for a certain subject. Because if you're going to speak professionally about a subject, you need to live and breathe that subject. You need to understand it. And you need to be passionate about it. Because, for example, I'm also a marketing professional. Um, it's not really what I advertise too much because that kind of runs itself. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't go and speak about marketing because I'm not as as passionate about it. I mean, that's just me as a person. So if you want to be a a professional speaker, I mean, the big first thing I would say is to figure out what you want to speak about and figure out a way whether it's taking online courses or speaking to other professionals and understand what you want to speak about and then what are you really going to speak about because you can say, oh, I want to help kids. That's way too broad because there's a hundred ways to help kids. You could say, oh, I want to talk about women's rights. Again, that is also pretty broad. So, you know, people are going to want to know, well, what are you talking about? And you're going to have to break that down into different types of keynotes or different types of speeches. But the other thing to be prepared for is that, you know, I've spoken a number of times at schools and they've been basically for free to build the brand. And it's, you know, a lot of people, when, if they're going to pay you to speak, they want to know where have you spoken? Yep. So if you're going to become a speaker, understand that, you know, you're not quitting your day job anytime soon. It's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of people not answering your emails and it's a lot of kind of baffling. You know, I've reached out to a number of people and offered to speak 
to a small audience for free. And instead of saying yes and getting it done very, very quickly, you know, they say no, because they say we're all good. We, we've hired enough speakers. And that's lunacy because I'm not asking to be hired. I'm just, you know, trying to help you and you help me with a testimonial and a video afterwards. And that's that. But, you know, it unfortunately doesn't really work that way. And you have to just kind of keep pushing through the prospecting process. And I mean, biggest thing I would say is that if you want to start speaking, have a very open mind. Don't necessarily say, I want to be a motivational speaker. Because if you look at somebody like a Tony Robbins, for example, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's yeah, a pretty bad example. And I think it's because very few people are going to get to where he's gotten. And I think you can be very overwhelming because if you, if you compare yourself to him right now, you know, he has millions and millions of dollars and he has professionals who do his social media, who do his outreach to do all these type of things. Yeah. You know, I would say try to find somebody, believe it or not, like me. I mean, I still operate on a very shoestring budget. So for me, uh, I would highly suggest, you know, you kind of try to, if you're, if you're starting out, look at some of the things I've done. Very shoestring, very basic. You know, my videos are in my office with equipment that cost me less than $50. Mm -hmm. is, is the lighting as good as professional? No. Is the sound as good as professional? No. But, you know, one of the things I learned when becoming a speaker is work with what you have and improve as you go. And I have my business plan. My website is fine for what it needs to be now. In two years, I'll redo it. You know, as I start to make more money, I'll buy more equipment. That's the other thing I would say about being a speaker is be prepared when you start making money, reinvest that back into your business. Don't think that, oh, I made $1,000. I can go now buy, you know, I can go on vacation. I mean, to each his own, but, you know, you're going to need that $1,000 for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Like you're, you may decide you want to write a book, which again, don't think that you have to be a masterful writer that comes on later on. That's what um, editors are for, right? That's what, you know, that's what editors are for. If you have an idea, that's, that's the biggest thing. But again, I mean, I read a book not too long ago um, and I'm not going to bring it up because half of the book doesn't, I'm not happy with the second half of the book, so I don't want to give it any um, credit, but okay. there was a book that basically said that, you know, if you're building this business, and you make money, don't spend the money. You keep reinvesting in the business. So if you think, oh, I'm going to quit my day job in two years. That's what I thought. When I started this, I said, two years, I'll be a professional motivational speaker. And I'm thrilled with where I am for two years, but I haven't quit my day job. I mean, I'm still in marketing. I still do different things. And I probably will for a number of years just because to, to be a professional speaker. And it also depends on where you want to speak. I mean, if you want to speak to students, like I, I'm never going to make you know, 10 grand, 20 grand at a speaking engagement, because I'm speaking to students, I'm yep. speaking at events that don't have that type of money. And I've made that decision. And I'm okay with that, because it's what I believe in. You know, there's people that make 50k just for speaking, that's not going to happen for me. So that's why I have to pursue these other things. But, you know, keep your day job, because it's something I learned, you know, I've, I've wanted to get rid of it before, but I can't let it let that pay your bills, let that build your financial future and pay into your retirement and support your family. And then you know, as you do this, you know, you keep making money. For example, you know, when I get a new student for my coaching, I put that money away. And at some point when I get enough, I think when, I'm re when I reach about 10 students, I'm probably going to buy new equipment to record better and whatnot. And there's an event I want to go to in November. And there's a lot of things that pop up, a lot of things that pop up that you may not necessarily realize, because when you think about being a motivational speaker, you think about just standing on the stage and doing your speaking. And there's so much more to it that I think people need to be prepared for. Like what? 
I mean, first and foremost, it's it's the outreach and it's the amount of outreach and it's the explaining to people what you do. It's the getting booked when nobody's ever booked you before. There's that hurdle. You know, there's How also- How would you walk somebody through doing something like that? I mean, I think for a lot of the audience, that's going to be your high school students, your college students, recent grads, they're trying to find their way in the world and they don't have those speaking engagements yet. So, you know, what are some tips that you could give to help with that first booking? I would say, look at your network, look at your contacts and who you know, because some opportunity somewhere where somebody will bring you in to speak. And the thing is, is that don't think about where it is. Don't think about how many people it's in front of. Just think of it this way, because if you know somebody and they tell you, okay, you can come speak to my high school class of 20 kids. Don't think of it as, oh, I'm only speaking to 20 kids. You go and you crush it because after you crush it, First and foremost, you can put on your social media channels, I spoke at blah, blah, high school. You don't have to tell people how many people it was. You spoke at that high school, and that's a real thing. Yeah. Then you get a testimonial, maybe two. You put that on your website. If you have a couple bucks and you work with a graphic designer, he can make that look really nice and make it look professional for not a lot of money. Have somebody record you so it's a couple videos, and bam, you have your first booking. Even if it was in front of 15 people, it doesn't matter because now you've been booked once. And when you get on that call and they say, where have you spoken? Again, don't say I've only spoken once. The response to that question is, I spoke last week at so-and-so and and they were great because we talked about this. And now all of a sudden you're talking about what you talk about and they're they're done. They've checked that off. They say, okay, he's spoken somewhere else. Now we've moved the conversation onto something else. That's what I would say. I mean, you will get that first speaking engagement. I don't think it'll be, you know, huge for you. One of the things I suggest is what I did was I had somebody record me speaking in an empty room, which I've I've heard from other speakers is very difficult for them. I had no problem to doing it because again, I knew what, what this was going to mean. I knew that this was the centerpiece of my website. So that motivated me to basically just get in the mindset of pretend like you're talking to people in the room. You know, I had a video made and the guy cut it up Uh, again. Yeah. I reached into my network. I had somebody who can film and edit and he gave me a deep discount. And you will find that the people that you are friends with will help you. you. You will find that. But this is also kind of ties into what I tell high school and college students is build your network, do things for other people, because the day will come where you'll need help. You'll need somebody for this. You'll need somebody for that. And it's a lot easier to ask for help if you have a track record of helping them as opposed to you've never reached out to them before. But it's really about who you know, and it's your network. And it really it's about you know what you want to talk about. It's also about speaking for free. I mean, if you're somebody that wants to speak about, if you want to speak to kids about the importance of nutrition, it's entirely possible that you could find a company or a school or a teacher, you know, who you just go to them and say, hey, this is what I speak about. Here's the video. Again, it could be in an empty room. It doesn't matter. And I'd love to come to speak to your kids for free. Because a lot of times if you agree to speak for free, sometimes they might not ask them what, where you've spoken before. You know, just keep pushing away. And you could even go after the big fish. And if, if they ask where you've spoken before, you can just say, well, you know, this is my, my first speaking engagement, but, you know, here's a video I did and I'm really excited about it. And this, I'm trying to build my brand. And, you know, again, I think if you ever get hit with the question of, you know, your experience and you're not comfortable, if you don't have that list like I have to, to ramble off, just answer the quick question very quickly and then always pivot back to what you're talking about. Because at the end of the day, if you're speaking for free, it's not necessarily about, oh, has this guy spoken somewhere else? It's like, is this guy actually going to add value to my class? Yeah. And you have to understand that you're going to add value. And if you do that, then people care about that a lot more. But 
the big thing is, is that you're going to be speaking for free for a while. I mean, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's going to say they got paid on their first speaking engagement. Uh, I don't believe them, but they can say that <laughs> if they'd like. But again, it's a long term. I mean, it's very long term and it's all about being very open because what started as being a motivational speaker, like I said, has now spawned into six different projects. Uh, you know, and like today is a perfect example. I mean, I have a full day today and I'm not spending a minute on anything that has to do with a speaking engagement. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm spending my time on all sorts of things. I mean, yes, this is something to promote, but it's still not, you know, it's, it's still not, not your income. Exactly. Um, so there's, a, you know, that that would be my biggest advice to anybody who's trying to break into speaking. Awesome. So there's a lot to pick apart there. Uh, I do want to go back just because I, I feel like this is the line where you and I really come together. And that's trying to help people turn their passions into a profession. Uh, you know, on my side of things, working with high school students, you find a lot of families that are pressuring their kids to go into business or engineering or the medical field or being a lawyer or something like that. Something they have absolutely no passion for because they'll be able to make some money or they're telling kids, hey, you have to go to this college or this university so that I can go to my supper club and brag about the fact that you got into Yale. And they end up going to schools and going into majors and then ultimately into careers where they're, they're just not happy. I can't tell you how many artists I've seen go into a business field. With that said, though, if you have a background in something, you can always try to maneuver into something else. You said that you have a marketing degree, but now you're doing motivational speaking. There's definitely a line there. Can you kind of uh, allude to how you drew that line between being a marketing professional, you know, having the knowledge of social media and how to use your website and SEO and all that, and now how you're applying it to your business? Sure. So I would say the first thing about drawing a line is understanding that just because you have a day job, it doesn't mean you can't pursue something that's completely different. Okay. You know, I mean, I had a job for a while that had absolutely nothing to do with any of my speaking or my writing or anything like that. And it's tough. It's tough to change mindsets. But, you know, if, if there's something you want to do and you know it's going to take time to build, there's nothing wrong with having a day job for, you know, even 10 years, even if that's how long it takes. It's, it's the long game is really what it is. And it's just about pushing forward and getting those reps in and just doing what needs to be done. It's also about sacrificing. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I work on this every Saturday, you know, unless I'm traveling somewhere, like sometimes I travel to Long Island, but most Saturdays I'm working on this from eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning to sometimes five o'clock in the evening. Yep. Uh, you know, sometimes I wrap up earlier at three, but you know, I work a lot. I mean, I've put in a ton of hours and I have not been paid for them. <laughs> I'm just working on it because I believe in what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, as far as marketing is concerned, I mean, I'm blessed that that's my day job because it's a lot easier. I understand how to do the social media stuff. And I understand it's very easy for me to work on my website because I've my website runs on WordPress and I've worked with WordPress. And when you're a marketer, you just kind of understand how those certain systems work. So even if you come up with a problem, for me, it's like, wait a minute, I know how to solve this because that's just what I do. Yeah. Um, for people who don't have that that's another hurdle to be honest with you is, is marketing i mean my biggest hurdle and i know we're kind of getting off topic here actually you know what we'll, we'll leave that for another question uh because i don't want to get too far off topic but going back to what you said i'm really glad you, you mentioned about parents because in my book i talk um 
you know, at length about the issue with parents. And one of the things I talk about is not so much the issue of you have to go here so I can brag about it, um, which I think it probably is an issue. But I kind of go the route of, you know, a parent's job, a number one job is to keep you safe. It's not about making you happy, believe it or not. It really yeah. is about keeping you safe. So if you pursue something that might be outside the box or dangerous, or honestly, if you pursue something they think you might fail at, it's not because they think you're a failure. It's because they don't want to see you get hurt. Yeah. And they're afraid you're going to be in a situation where you won't have money and you won't be able to support yourself and you, you made this big mistake. And I think the second part of that is that the generational gap is huge because the te technology gap is so huge. I mean, our parents grew up in an age where you didn't have social media. You didn't have, mm -hmm. I mean, you had computers, but you didn't have internet technology. A lot of them didn't even have computers when they were our age. There was just so many things. So the idea, I mean, you got to figure the idea of being a motivational speaker in 1970, I don't even know if that existed. And I don't have no idea how that person would have gotten their name out there. Yeah, right. Because how would you possibly have done that? You know, the idea of making money off of a podcast, I mean, is insane. <laughs> so for them, it's like, oh, I want to be a motivational speaker. Well, I don't, they, and then it's not their fault, but one, they're going to see it as, oh, that's something he might not be able to do. And two, they're not really going to understand that world. They're not going to, you know, if, if you build a, a life where you're making six figures, but you make it from seven different avenues, that's really difficult for somebody in their sixties to wrap their brain around when they grew up in a world where you're only, you just make one type of income, maybe two if you invest. But the idea that, oh, I don't have a full-time job. I have seven part-time jobs that add up to six figures. That's that's very difficult for older generations to wrap their brains around. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not just putting not the them way they, they made their money. It's Exactly. It's just not the way they made their money. And I think it's really difficult for them to kind of wrap their brain around that. And I think it's also really difficult for parents to get over that fear that their their child is not necessarily. And I think that's why you see a lot of people say, Oh, you know, my parents want me to be a doctor. Well, I mean, yeah, if you think about it, I mean, you make good money. I mean, a lot of these doctors make their own hours. It's it's prestigious. So there is that kind of, oh, my son, my so-and-so is a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, a, you know, doctor, that's very, very difficult and very time consuming and, and money consuming. So if you're not passionate about that, you, you know, you can become a doctor and still be miserable. Yeah. It's, it's like um, 10 you know, years worth of schooling. And that's going to be a grueling 10 years before you get to your actual career. Exactly. So, and if you're not really passionate about that, you know, you might, you might just drop out of it halfway through. But I also think if there's, you know, I, I, I do like your point about the artists because I think there's people who really have no business being inside of an office and being in a cubicle um, who just kind of figure, well, this is what I have to do. And to them, I would say, it's not what you have to do. But if you feel like you need a day job to finance that dream, to finance that passion, that's fine. But don't get comfortable. Make yeah. sure that when you get home, you're working on what you need to work on, that you're working on a Saturday, working on Sundays. Now, there's some sacrifice in that. For sure. You know, that means that you might not be able to go away as much as you want because you need those weekend days. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of things on Netflix I'll never watch because I spend a lot of my weekend time working on stuff. You know, there are times where I don't necessarily go out or I don't go see my friends or whatever, because I know that I need this time. I need to go do those things. And I think that's the part people really don't understand because there's a lot of people I've met who 
say they're going to do something. And then when I check in with them, they're like, Oh, you know, they're making excuses. I didn't really do it. I didn't follow through with it. And I, I don't say anything, but I was like, it's because you hit that wall. Yeah. You realize that you have to take it to the next level. I mean, I'll, I'll work till, you know, five 30, get home at six, eat dinner and then work from seven to 11 and then get into bed and never turn on the TV and never do anything that I would consider, you know, fun. I mean, there are days where I'll work all day. And it's just something that I've decided to do because that's the way this is going to work. But I think we have a lot of people who would be better off as, you know, artists or teachers or working in different industries. And instead, you know, at, at the high school level, their parents just say to them, like, well, you need to get a secure job and you need to get, you know, something with benefits and all this nonsense. And like, listen, there's no such thing as a secure job anymore. I mean, if a company mismanages their numbers at the top, they lay off 10 people seven layers down. Yep. There's really no, there is no safe job. I mean, there is no safe uh, whatever. I mean, outside of nursing, which again is incredibly difficult to get into. I mean, I know a lot of people who, tried to become a nurse and it didn't work out for them. And there's brilliant people. It just didn't work out for them. I couldn't be a nurse. That would have been a disaster. Um, you know, and even being a nurse, as much money as you make. And, and a lot of people say it's a recession proof career. You know, you still got to work crazy hours. You still got to work on holidays and be away from family. So deal with morons and maniacs in the ER and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Or, or deal with people that you see every day for three months and then they, they pass away on you. I yeah. mean, that's, you got to have a certain type of mental toughness uh, yeah. to have a job like that. So, sure. you know, I, I write in my book that if you want to pursue something that's outside the box, create your plan and present it to your parents. And if they don't approve, they don't approve. And if it becomes an issue, you find a way around it. Uh, nine and a half times out of 10, they're going to come on board at some point, especially if you say, this is what I'm going to do. You know, um, especially if you say, I'm going to pursue this, but I'm also going to pursue this type of job to pay the bills for the first five years, then they're much, they're going to be much more on board. Definitely. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I do hit on that a couple times in one of the chapters in my book. So you'd said, um, you know, reinvest any money that you make in your business. And, and I think this is true of anybody, whether it's, you know, a, a counselor or a motivational speaker, or even if you are an artist, you know, going back and reinvesting the money that you make into your business, you know, that old adage of you have to spend money to make money. Can you give an example of something that you've done that kind of is an example of reinvesting in your business and not just like, oh, I'm going to reinvest in myself by going on vacation because I need a break? Yeah, no, absolutely. I would say that, for example, when I when I get paid to coach, you know, if I get a check for X amount of dollars, I don't put that into my checking account. I don't just say, oh, you know what? I want a new wardrobe, so this is what I'm going to use it for. Mm -hmm. Instead, I will, for example, put it towards the down payment for the publisher on my book. Right now, a lot of my coaching money is going to be saved because I will be appearing at a conference in Atlantic City in November. It's a New Jersey Educators Association conference, and I'm going to get a booth, and there's going to be, and I'm preparing for that now because I need to understand how much money is going to go into that. And that's a multi, that's a couple thousand dollars when it's all said and done. So for me, that money will go into the booth because the booth, you know, if things go well, could be 10 speaking engagements. And if you have 10 speaking engagements at thousand dollars a pop, that's 10 grand. So now I just took two grand and I turned it into 10 grand. You know, that's kind of the, the, the mindset, you know, that's the mindset of the book book cost me a couple thousand dollars all included there's more that goes into that and why i paid that much money but 
you know, two thousand dollars may seem like a lot of money for something that you know you don't know if it's going to sell. Yeah. But if I I'm going to take that book and I'm going to send it out to you know fifty New Jersey principals, and they're going to read it, and I think some of them are going to reach out, and now all of a sudden, if I'm charging a thousand dollars in engagement, now all of a sudden I get ten engagements. I just again turn two grand into you know, 10 grand, you know, and again, I mean, play it this way. If my book gets me a speaking engagement and it goes well, and that speaking engagement gets me another speaking engagement and that goes well. And then that one gets me two more. Now, all of a sudden, what started as a book just got me five speaking engagements, you know, cause you just you keep referring and then, you know, I'll play it even more. So let's say the third speaking engagement, the kids are really into it and they buy my book. And then, so I sell a hundred books and now that's a hundred times 20. So that's $2,000. And then all of a sudden those books get shared with other people. Maybe some of the people who buy those books and read those books decide they want to come on as coaching. And then I just made money through coaching. So it's a long-term play to do this type of work. It's not short-term. And again, if all I did was speak, I'd be very limited. But I'm at a point now where I'm doing a lot of different things and this person might do this person. And you know, again, when you write that book, once it's out there, they share it with somebody, they share it with somebody, they give it to a teacher, then all of a sudden the teacher likes it, you know, maybe, and again, maybe somebody reads it and they have a podcast and then I'm on the podcast and somebody hears the podcast and wants me to speak at a conference in front of 500 teachers. I mean, none of this is out of the realm of possibility. Yep. And now all of a sudden out of 500 teachers, now all of a sudden everybody booked me. And now all of a sudden when you book me, you get a hundred books and then the books go, you know what I'm saying? Like this can get, yeah. can get can completely out of hand if you're willing to play the long game, if you're willing to reinvest. And if you're willing to also realize that it's a long-term play, so don't try to get that money grab right away. Yeah. Don't just try to say, I want two grand and that's it. Because if you get an opportunity to speak at a conference and you see that there's a lot of people that are in your audience, and that's one of the things you have to do when you start this thing is define your audience. Who are the decision makers? For me, even though I'm speaking to high school students and college students, my audience, my target customer audience is really educators. Yep. So if somebody was to contact me and say, hey, can you come to Philadelphia this weekend? Or uh, hopefully it wouldn't be this weekend. Hopefully it would be a couple of months in advance. But yeah, can yeah. you come to Philadelphia in three months and speak in front of a thousand uh, Pennsylvania educators? Uh, we're not going to pay you, but we will put you up for the night. Now, if somebody came to me in 10 years with that type of an offer, even if I was getting paid five grand a pop, I would take that like that. I would never under any financial circumstances turn something like that down because I would never turn around and say, oh, you got to pay me. Everybody else is paying me. I'm five grand a night. I'm 10 grand a, a gig. You have to pay me. No, you have to think long term because you might get $0 from that speaking engagement. But you're speaking in front of 1,000 people or even 500 people. So it really is about, you know, again, it's all really about the long-term play. I spoke at Bayside High School in Queens, New York, a couple of weeks ago for free. But out of that, I got a great testimonial. I got a great video. And if that video puts me over the top with, a, with a, another high school or another college and I get paid for it, then all of a sudden it starts to, to manifest itself. So everything about this is long term. That's the biggest thing I can say. There's no such thing as, as, as quick, easy money. For sure. So we're past the 30 minute mark now. I do want to respect your time. It sounds like you're a very busy man. Kind of sounds like I'm listening I mean, I to Gary I got a little time. bit. I mean, I got time for you. So we can talk as long as you want. Well, I appreciate that. I have one last question for you. And I ask it of all of my guests. What, what is some last minute wisdom that you want to impart on somebody? You know, whether it's a piece of advice that you wish somebody had given you when you were starting out, uh, you know, 
maybe it's the the key to not burning out or you know whatever it happens to be what's the one thing you want to pass on to the next generation i mean there's a couple of things i think first and foremost you you have to live this life every day you have to live your life you have to wake up every day and live whatever decision you're going to make so even if somebody else wants you to be a doctor even if somebody else wants you to do this or do that you have to live the life and if you know something's going to bring you more joy more satisfaction and let you live a happier type of life that's what you need to do because it's more important that you are happy than if your parents are happy if they're not happy with your choices it's difficult but you're an adult now so you have to deal with it i'm very blessed my parents are very supportive of me they're also supportive because they know that i have a job that pays the bills while i build my business so again i went a very intelligent route and they were very supportive of that i think the other thing i would say is as far as burnout is concerned i would say don't listen to all these experts who talk about working 16 hour days and you know you see a lot of videos about don't party uh don't go out uh don't watch netflix and all this stuff you have to make this your own you have to understand that if you are now going to consider yourself an entrepreneur that means a lot of different things for example I have no problem taking time in the evening to myself because even though some would consider me an entrepreneur, I don't have people that I talk to on a daily basis. I don't have clients. I don't have customers. I don't have investors. If you have somebody in California who has 20 people underneath him and 10 investors and is always looking for more money, then yeah, that person has to work long hours. But if you're working nonstop, then it just becomes another job. And the last thing I'd say about that is that if you're doing this, what I'm doing, speaking, writing, you have to be creative. So if you, you have a creative task, don't do it at 11 o'clock at night if it's not going to be your best work. So that would be my advice. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Kyle. I appreciate you being on the show. I would love to hear from you again. Just like I said, talking to you is awesome. But thank you so much for being on the show and uh, best of luck with the book. Can you just do a little plug for it before you leave? Sure. So the book is To the Next Step, a guide from high school and college into the real world. It is for anyone who is a student in high school or college or even a middle school student who will be going into college in the next year. Uh, it's a great graduation gift. It's also a good read for an educator or a parent because even though I speak to the student, there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom you can pass on to your kids, pass on to your students. If you feel like you lack the real world experience to talk to them about certain these things, you can kind of borrow a lot of what I talk about. Because remember, when I say it, it's my own opinions and experiences, but it's also built off the backs of all those people I've surveyed as well, which is important to understand. So that's going to be dropping in May. Uh, please keep an eye out on my website. If you're interested at all, go to my website, fill out the form, because that will keep you updated on everything going on. You'll be able to order the, order the book in May, uh, get that going. So if you know somebody, graduation gift or just an end of the school year gift, this would make a great gift for that. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, my website is there. And Everything you would need to know is on the website. Awesome. Thank you very much, Kyle. You have a great day. You too. Thanks.